Welcome to episode five of the Voices of Hope podcast. Jeff and Tanya have a conversation with the Applegates, who share their experience of being thrust into the spotlight because of two Facebook posts that together garnered over 9,000 likes. Nick had already considered sharing his story of same-sex attraction publicly, but hadn't decided to move forward on that. When he and his wife, Jordan, saw the negative social media reaction to a recent BYU faculty address from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, the resolve was solidified, and they had a desire to express their belief in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They weren't expecting such an overwhelming response, both positive and negative, or for the post to be picked up by multiple news outlets and shared even more broadly. Nick and Jordan also go into detail about the first conversation around Nick's same-sex attraction prior to their marriage and their decision to step into the unknown and act on faith, despite not being sure what a marriage might look like with that component. They also talk about the importance of open communication in their marriage and their true source of happiness. All of that and more on today's Voices of Hope podcast. Uh, to this episode of Voices of Hope. You've got Jeff and Tanya Benyon with you, and we're so delighted to have with us our guests, Nick and Jordan Applegate. Thank you. We're happy to uh, be here. (laughs) (laughs) And they've agreed to talk to us because Jordan and Nick, I guess it was on your page, Nick, you recently made a Facebook post that went viral, and it led to a lot of media coverage, which we'll link to some of this in the show notes. But maybe... Nick and Jordan are in what is popularly known as a mixed orientation marriage. So he has uh, experience of being attracted to men, and yet uh, he's married to a woman. And and this was very interesting to some of the news media. And so we thought we'd grab them to talk about a little bit about the how going viral feels, but also helping some of the North Star community get to know people a little better that might have gotten lost in some of the media coverage. So maybe uh, we could start with having Nick and Jordan tell us a little bit about themselves. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Um, So I'm Jordan. I'm Nick's wife. And um, I'm trying to think of things I could say for you to get to know about me. I'm pregnant, so that's like the most exciting (laughs) thing in my life right now. And that's Um, after you got married or was this a shotgun wedding? (laughs) <laughs> it was after we got married. <laughs> so, but he you've been married how long? Uh, we've been married ten months. Ten months, yeah. You're not married long enough to have to think about it. By the way, <laughs> we know we it's almost a year. Like how many? Yeah, it's almost a year. <laughs> yeah. So our baby will be born like a month before our first anniversary. So that's. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, where you grew up and, uh, what, what your hobbies and interests were are. Yeah. So I grew up in Arizona for the most part. I technically I lived in California until I was 10, but pre 10, I don't remember any of that. This is just a blur. <laughs> so, um, I grew up in Arizona. I have always really been into music and musical theater so throughout high school, I was involved in choir and theater and the different musicals and play productions. I also was a big math nerd. So awesome. always took the 
most interesting sounding math classes <laughs> and very quickly was unable to get help from my parents anymore. So <laughs> that was always fun. Yeah, I'm also from Arizona. I grew up in Chandler. And so we actually met going to high school together. We had seminary together and we were actually in one of the musicals together. We both in choir. Um, I love singing. I was obsessed with music growing up. I still am. I played the cello, the piano, the organ. I taught piano lessons in high school. And then I served my mission in Norway and absolutely fell in love with Norway and Scandinavia and the people and the culture and the food and everything. Um, yeah. And uh, tell us where you went on your mission, Jordan. Yeah. So I went on my mission in Houston, Texas, and kind of just stayed in the closer parts to Houston throughout. I loved it in that I love the people. The weather, however, is not the most fun thing to experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I used to travel a lot to Houston and uh, everything's wonderful about Houston except the weather, which is <laughs> never yeah. really great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Nick, back to you for a minute. People can read your Facebook posts if they want, which we'll link to as well. But you mentioned you started feeling a little different and noticing you were different from maybe some other people. Tell us what it was like to grow up in the church, maybe having these feelings and how it was helpful and how maybe it was difficult. Yeah, good question. Um, it was kind of in junior high that I started to kind of realize, you know, how I was different. Because, I mean... I have only experienced my life, you know, I don't know how to compare it. Um, and so it wasn't until then that I started to understand enough to realize that I was different. And I think my experience has been different than some people in my situation. And I mentioned this in my post, but I never really questioned, you know, in my youth, what my role would be in the church or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I had testimony of the gospel and had so many important experiences long before my sexuality kind of came to my understanding that that was already more important to me and more a bigger part of my life. And so it was really more a question of, okay, you know, how is this going to be a part of my life as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and not so much the other way around. Mm -hmm. And that's another point I want to highlight that I, I totally resonated with me, Nick was, you talked about, yes, yes, I have this experience around my sexuality, but I also have this experience around my religious belief and dedication. And it's not like I chose either one, right? Mm -hmm. And some people can be ignorant and think, oh, you chose to be gay or have these feelings. And other people can say, oh, you could just choose to not be a committed Latter-day Saint anymore. And both of those you described were a really deep part of you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it like it made me feel different growing up. And and as you mentioned in the church, it was hard sometimes, especially as I got older and guys talked more about girls, especially mm -hmm. my mission. I started to realize how different I was. And that was stressful going to singles wards and hearing all the emphasis on dating and just feeling how, yeah, how different I was from everyone else. But the church is such a core part of myself and not just the church, but Jesus Christ and the mm -hmm, teachings mm -hmm. and the ordinances and the priesthood. And I couldn't imagine a future without that. And so that right. was just way too important to me. And so uh, did you kind of just bear this alone, this, this different, or did you confide in people and when and how did you do that? 
Yeah. So um, in high school, it's very little. My parents both knew and a couple of my church leaders knew, but otherwise it was kind of just all on my own. On my mission, I actually ended up, I, I told my mission president, I ended up talking to a couple of my companions but that was about it. Like it was, it was a very limited number of people mm-hmm. who I did confide in. And I, it wasn't so much that I was ashamed of who I was, but it was just a very personal part of me that I didn't feel people had a right to know, especially since I knew people would misuse it or stereotype me or just not in ways that I needed to experience. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Did you find, uh, to talk about your mission briefly, uh, you maybe had periods of your life when this was your sexuality was more of a distraction or difficulty and times when it was less. So which one was your mission? Definitely less. I mean, cause I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't out there focusing on dating or anything like that. I mean, my focus was on teaching. I was on the Lord and was on dealing with all the difficult things that a mission comes with. Mm-hmm. And so really I'd say the harder part for me was after my mission, when yes. we had to move from the mission to the dating arena, to the marriage, to all of that, to the social part. But the mission for me was not, I mean, the mission was hard, but not because of my sexuality. Right. And this is something, it's not everybody, but I'd say the, the great majority, it isn't, it isn't really a big issue for them then. But, but then when people come home, it seems to be a really vulnerable time. Yeah. So how did you get through that? Lots of ups and downs. I remember when I first started going to my singles ward, I didn't want to be there, which was weird for me, having always been so active and involved. I just and a lot of it was just me personally, but like our whole first sacrament meeting was just everyone introducing themselves. And it, it felt like, it felt like a reality TV dating show, you know, and everyone is trying to show off and to, <laughs> to share who they are and to try and get a date. And I did not like that. And that wasn't the experience of the whole singles word. That was the first get to know you, but it really put me off. And I had to ask myself, you know, why do I go to church? And I had to realize like, It doesn't matter who's there or what they're doing or why they're there. All that matters is why I'm there for myself. And I'm there because I have a testimony, because I want to partake of the sacrament. And throughout my time in college, I mean, dating was up and down and my self-esteem was up and down and lots of things were up and down. But And there were some really dark times, but ultimately the Lord was always there for me and was patient and was letting me go through the experiences that I had to go through to become who I am and to be ready to eventually find Jordan and get married and to be a dad. And so, yeah, while there were tough times, I can see now how they were preparing me to understand what my alternatives were and why this is what I should choose in my own situation. So let's talk about that a little bit, because you you mentioned this in your post, too. Obviously, we don't teach in this church that uh, those of us who have this experience of uh, with our sexuality, that getting married to a woman is a cure or a way to fix it. And that it isn't maybe something and you mentioned it's not something that maybe everybody can or should do. Uh, So with that caveat. How did you decide that this was something you wanted to pursue, dating the opposite sex? 
Yeah. And I, before I say anything, I do want to talk about that because we got lots of comments and messages mm-hmm. about questioning lots of things like, you know, are you really gay? Maybe you're actually bi. Right, right. Or, mm-hmm. um, just or this is going to be so dangerous for people to hear that you're trying to force them into mm-hmm. what you've done. And I try to make it clear in my post, but we all have lots of questions and I still don't understand everything. And my experiences are my own. Not right. everyone's experience with sexuality or gender fluidity or whatever it is that they're struggling with is the same. Mm-hmm. And so I don't encourage this necessarily for everyone. It's a personal decision exactly. you have to make with God. Yeah. But I mean, in my case, I, I read my patriarchal blessing and talked about marrying a woman and starting a family. And my parents have been just fantastic examples to me of just a happy marriage and being faithful in the gospel. And I mean, my brother and my sister had been married in the temple and had wonderful relationships. And that's just what I've always wanted. I've wanted to be a dad and to be a husband. And it was harder once I started realizing how important, you know, like sexual feelings and everything were in a relationship, especially in dating. And that was scary for me, wondering if I could keep up with that, wondering if I would be living a lie, like so many people have accused us of doing. But I felt in my heart that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. And we know from the scriptures that if the Lord gives us a commandment or asks us to do something, he's going to bless us and make it possible. And so I dated often just kind of out of faith, (laughs) just knowing that, you know, this is what the Lord wants me to do and I'm just going to do it. And whatever he has in store for me, it's whatever it's going to be, but I'm going to try and do my part. And it worked out. (laughs) I couldn't be happier with where I am. So you, to go into that and then we'll, we'll switch over to Jordan. You, um, at some point you stumbled across Jordan who you've known (laughs) Yes, uh, but then then you had to make that switch from friends or acquaintances to let's date. How, how did you do, <laughs> have that happen? Good question. I mean, so we were very close in high school. We actually went to prom together our senior year, but we were both going on missions, and so we didn't pursue anything further. And so then we both came home, and we were both different, but it turned out to be in a good way. But we were on a Zoom call with friends um, March of last year. And I had just been struggling with dating. Like I just, I just wasn't finding people I was interested in or who were interested in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out Jordan had had kind of a similar experience and I was just kind of done. But I was like, you know what? I haven't really tried dating Jordan since we've been back. So I was like, you know, why not? And so I asked her out because I knew she was going to come visit Arizona where I was soon. And she said, yes. Wait, that Zoom call was in July then, not March. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That was in July. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and so, and we were still friends, but we just hadn't hung out much. So like, it was still kind of new for each other, but we hit it off really quick. We went on a date like every day after that. Um, And she was only supposed to be in Arizona for a couple of weeks, but she ended up staying the entire summer. Okay. To clarify a couple of weeks, like I was debating between one, maybe two weeks. So, (laughs) Right. So so she wore the same clothes she brought in her one suitcase for the next couple months. All because of me. Um, So you changed, you changed your plans to keep dating. Nick is what you're saying, Jordan. Yes. And I think, and it was, it was really fun at first. We hit it off and we were getting along so well and we were very open about a lot of things and we could tell that we had the same goals in life. We wanted the same things. And so we both could kind of tell, okay, this is actually kind of serious. And once we became official, that's when I got scared. And I was like, 
officially dating. Yeah. Yeah, like boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, like we were on Facebook. It was Facebook official. (laughs) And I was like, crap, what have I done? Like, can I actually do this? Am I just going to break her heart? Like, what's going to happen? And I had one of those, what I call, oh, crap moments. Oh, that's exactly what I had. And so there was one night shortly after we became official and I was praying and I was reading the scriptures, my patriarchal blessing. And I was like, I just don't feel good about this. This is terrifying. I don't want to like make her sad. I think I need to break things off. And I, after I had like put my thoughts together and everything, I knelt down and I said a prayer and I explained my feelings and my heart to heavenly father. And I said, I think I should break up with her. And I got the strongest no I've ever gotten to a prayer. Um, the Lord was like, absolutely not. You will keep dating Jordan. And so I was like, okay, I really don't know what's going to happen. But if the Lord wants me to do it, I just got to go through with it. And so I did. And I tried to just stop stressing about it and just have fun and be happy and enjoy our time together dating. So when yeah, obviously when- it went well. The Lord knew what he was doing. Right. Um, but yeah, it was scary, but I just did my best to follow his counsel. When did you decide to tell her about your sexuality <laughs> and how, how did you decide to do that? And when did you do that? Or so, did you know, am we breaking the news to her now? <laughs> <laughs> that would not. be awkward, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had a, we got engaged pretty quick. I'll just put that out there. Um, although granted, we had known each other for a long time. So it wasn't like we had just met each other and then got engaged. But after we had been dating for a few weeks, we could both kind of tell this is going somewhere. And we had started kind of talking, okay, if we were going to get married, when would it be? You know, like what is the long-term plan here? And Jordan, do you actually want to tell the revelation you received? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, prior to us talking about marriage at all, because... I had had a not so great experience with a serious relationship before Nick. And so I was like, I'm not going to address the marriage thing for as long as I possibly can. I'm just going to have fun. Um, But we were at church one Sunday together and the spirit overwhelmed me that we needed to get married. And I remember in my head saying, you know, I didn't ask for this. So um, I don't know why you're answering a prayer that I haven't prayed but um, I it was really overwhelming. And that evening I told Nick, I was like, so this happened during church. Um, I feel like we should probably get married. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> You were probably scared to tell me. Yeah, I was very scared to tell him because I waited quite a few hours and like <laughs> I talked to my mom beforehand too. And like your bishop and <laughs> Yeah, I did talk to my bishop as well. <laughs> well, and I I had already kind of come to that conclusion. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, we should. But then I was like, crap, okay. Like now we're serious. Now I need to tell her. Like this is the time. And the Lord kind of told me that. And I was terrified to tell her. And so. So you involved the Lord in when and how to talk to her about this. So I hadn't prayed about it so specifically. Hmm. But I was pretty in tune with the spirit. And I felt, okay. Well, because the Lord is kind of working on us both. So he's like, hey, Jordan, you need tell him that this is the time and then he's like hey nick she just told you now this is also the time Mm -hmm. i was like okay okay so we went outside to her car because she was getting ready to drive back um to my parents house yeah she's about 20 minutes away Mm -hmm. and i was like we need to talk about something which probably stressed her out a lot um but once i got the courage i told her you know just so you know i am attracted to men i'm gay but i love you and 
this is so important to me and I want to make this work, but you probably need some time to like process things. We talked for a little while, but then I let her drive home, talk to her parents and to not have to like process everything in front of me. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell your yeah. side? <laughs> Jordan, what was your experience now? Um, so yeah, he told me and, um, I don't know if this is the right time to maybe talk about this, but I had actually, so I had had plenty of friends throughout high school and college and who experience same sex attraction and who experience different sexualities. And so I had already prior to even starting to date Nick thought about how those individuals fit into the gospel and how, how that works and had spent so much time just pondering on it. And I had already come to sort of an internal conclusion that if there was a man that I wanted to marry that was in a situation where he wasn't necessarily attracted to females, that I would be okay with that. Which shocked me (laughs) that she had already thought about it before we even got to that spot. Yeah. And so I had told him that when he, when he came out to me, I, in essence told him like, this isn't a red flag to me. This is information for me to know, (laughs) but all in all, I wanted someone who I knew would be fully committed to the gospel a hundred percent. And I can't think of, well, I shouldn't say that, but (laughs) I wanted someone who'd be fully committed to the gospel. And the way that Nick has always been, so fully committed in my knowing him, even in high school, he was just so such a devoted young man to Jesus Christ and his teachings um, that I knew that that wasn't going to be an issue for me. So I told him that that being said, though, I then drove home crying quite a bit because <laughs> <laughs> um, it is just so, so unknown. Um, and I had asked him shortly, like, seconds maybe after he came out, I was like, okay, um, can I talk to my parents about this? Cause I rely heavily on, um, my mom and her, her counsel. Um, she's just always been a really great support in my life. So he said, yes. So I called her right as I left his house and was like, okay, you're going to have to stay up. Cause she usually goes to bed pretty early. I'm, I'll be <laughs> home in like 20 minutes, but we got to talk about this. Um, So I talked to them for a while and then prayed. And this was after I'd gone home. I prayed for a little bit and was just like thinking about things. And I wanted to see Nick again was (laughs) what happened. And this was maybe nine or 10 at night. Yeah, it was pretty late. It was kind of late. And I called him and was like, "Um, can I come back? And love it. Yeah, so I came back, picked him up. I think his parents probably thought we were in a fight or something. Well, they weren't home at the time. They weren't? No. Oh. I forget what they were doing. (laughs) But um, I picked him up, and we drove to the Gilbert Temple, and we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Both of us opened up a lot, and that's when we kind of decided, yeah, we're going to get married. (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, it was really a question of when. And it was funny because my mom had just told me, like, something like, because my sister was going to have a baby, her first baby in December. And there's all this stuff happening. My mom's like, Hey, like you cannot get married in December. And I'm like, mom, okay, we just started dating. Like, I didn't <laughs> talk about that yet. Like you need to calm down. And then I came home that night and I was like, so how does November sound? <laughs> and she was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah. And so then, yeah, a couple of weeks later, 
yeah, we, we decided on a date and we got engaged and yeah, then we got married a few months later. <laughs> so it was very quick. Yeah. I mean, so from when we started dating to when we got married, it was about four months. Yeah. But we had known each other for about seven years at that point. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So I'm just curious, talking, Jordan, when you're talking with your mom, was it a good experience talking about it? Was there any reservations or was it just kind of the council? At least for me, it's often, I just want to talk through this and you're somebody that I can talk with. So help me talk through this. Yeah. Make sure that I'm not crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It it was a lot of things because, well, the other thing is too, my mom, she has been in a few marriages that weren't great, including, so my mom and my dad are divorced. So I knew that she had a very intimate understanding of marriage and is, she is now in a very wonderful relationship with a wonderful man. And it's the best. And this is the eternal, this is the eternal marriage we're talking about here. And so I really wanted her advice of it. Are we rushing things? Is this crazy? Um, am I gonna get hurt potentially? Um, I didn't know. And so I really relied on her specific advice, not just listening to me, but being able to kind of guide me and help me make a decision, not a decision about Nick necessarily, but a decision about how I was going to approach this. And, and how we were going to work it out. This would have been the same day that you said the spirit said, I'm supposed to marry him, right? Yeah, yeah. it was a big day. <laughs> it was a big day. I called out of work the next day because <laughs> I was a little emotionally charged and could not yes. focus. <laughs> Understandably. But it was a good conversation with your mom. Yeah, it was a great conversation. My mom, we had, I don't think we had ever talked about same-sex attraction in the church. Um, I don't think we had ever had that discussion and what that looked like, but I'm sure my mom has had that discussion with others. And so she had some really insightful things to share with me. And especially because my mom knows me so well, she knows a lot of the things that I've gone through that (laughs) I can't think of a way to phrase this, that Honestly, it almost makes my relationship with Nick better because of some things that have some things that I've gone through in the past. It makes it so that things are a little bit easier for me being in a relationship with him. So wonderful. So then, and I would love both of you to answer this one. So Nick, you mentioned that this that this is the sacrifice that you've made. So I want to hear it from Jordan's perspective first. Is this a sacrifice that you've made? <laughs> oh, and real fast, just to clarify, Jordan also made a post the same exact oh, time right. that I did. So yeah, we'd encourage everyone to go and read that as well because she is very eloquent. I have wonderful oh. things to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So your question, is this a sacrifice? Uh, no. <laughs> to me... It's not because Nick is the most incredible man I think I've ever met. And he treats me better than anyone has in my entire life. So, I mean, to me, I have everything I ever wanted. (laughs) So to anyone who says things like, I'm not 
being fulfilled or I'm not loved. That's just not true. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. And how about Nick? Yeah, I think that word sacrifice is interesting. And we've talked to some people about that because I think a lot of people think I'm making some huge sacrifice, you know, to be a part of the church. But I just, it's just not really that way. I mean, yes, I have to, as everyone does in a relationship, I have to be in control of myself and of my sexual desires and of my choices, which, like I mentioned, is not, that's in every marriage. Everyone has to choose to be committed to their spouse. But there's nothing the world could give me that would make me not want to be able to go to the temple and to be able to be worthy to take the sacrament and to receive revelation and to be able to go to church and to raise my family in the church. And Jordan is the most fantastic person I know. And we are so happy together. And she's so patient with me and so good to me. Yeah, I think it would be very ungrateful for me to call it a sacrifice because the Lord has blessed us so much in our lives. And just like Jordan said, I, I've gotten everything I've ever wanted too. This is exactly from, as a kid, what I've wanted in my life. And I'm so grateful that I have it. That's beautiful. So do you feel like you're deprived, Jordan? Or not Jordan, well, both of you, Jordan and Nick, do you feel like you're deprived, you're missing out because Jordan, in your case, your husband's not attracted to you as some people assumed on Facebook. I'm, I'm just putting out there what some people are saying. Or in Nick's case, you know, here, you're not being true to yourself. I don't feel deprived (laughs) at all. I, yeah, I'm so loved by Nick. And anyone who knows us can tell that he is just the most loving husband. And he's incredible. And especially as things have gotten more difficult as I've been pregnant. It's hard for me to do certain things. And I'm very emotional these days. (laughs) He's a very sensitive guy. So that helps a lot too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would never use the word deprived to describe how I feel. And I wouldn't either. I mean, like I mentioned, I mean, marriage is a commitment. And I think people really misunderstand, you know, what marriage is, or at least how we see it in our church and in our faith. That marriage is two people who are working hard together, who love each other, who serve each other, who raise a family together, who work together. And that's what we are. And we do have an intimate and happy sexual relationship with each other. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here, but we do. And we are happy. And granted, I don't have anything to compare it with, but I feel fulfilled and I feel happy. And there are lots of marriages where things happen. I mean, you, when you're 60, you know, you're not the people that you were when you were 20 and got married, but you still love each other and you're still committed to each other. And I think if people understood marriage in that way a little better, we wouldn't have as much divorce and infidelity and all the problems that we see in the world nowadays. Yeah, if I put words in your mouth, uh, it seems like you're saying some people get things backwards and they, they look at the sexual fulfillment as the end-all, be-all of marriage. Yes. But actually what can happen is when you put uh, the relationship and God first, in your case at least, this the sexual fulfillment has come anyway, mm-hmm. but in maybe in a better and different way than if you'd put that primary. Yeah. No, absolutely. And something I wanted to mention too that – 
just I was reminded of with Nick talking was um is people have asked like am I ever worried if he's out with a man um or one of his male friends or what if he has a male coworker? It's the exact same question if Nick were straight and he was with a female. It marriage is a commitment and I trust Nick that he's committed to me because I I know that he is and that's the same level of commitment regardless of his sexuality. So I don't mind if he's with a man, with a woman, with whoever, because I trust him. Right. It's really, Tanya and I have talked about this. It's about, it isn't about your sexual orientation per se, but whether the person you're with is someone you can trust. Uh, When I was deciding to get married, somebody said to me something I loved. Uh, This really stuck with me. He said, trust is even more important than love. And, and he meant romantic love. I mean, we talk about charities of pure love of Christ, which is the most important thing. But romantic love, I think is important too. And you guys have that. We, I mean, our podcast listeners can't see you on video, but I can. And, and it's very clear. They're sitting close to each other. They've got their arms around each other. There is, there is that there too. But without trust, love is just pain is what this person taught me. And so the question isn't, oh, is he gay or straight? It's, can I trust him or her? That's the other thing uh, Tanya pointed out to me when we were dating is I'm not the only one in this marriage with problems or issues that I have to address and deal with. Uh, We can both make mistakes in this marriage and we can both create problems and solutions. Well, and I just wanted to respond to that. We've had lots of people messaging us, um, for good or for bad, in response to our post. But I've had lots of people in a similar situation to me in the church message me and thank me for sharing. And one of the people he said, or I forget who it was, if it was the husband or the wife, but they said, you know, we have lots of problems in our marriage, but very few of them are related to his sexuality. And I can agree with that. We have lots of trials in our marriage and we have disagreements and tough times. And almost none of them have anything to do <laughs> with my sexuality. Like it's, Marriage is marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. I was married before, and he was totally straight. And we always talked about the fact that my first husband could have cheated on me with a girl, and my second husband could cheat on me with a guy. It doesn't matter. A cheat is a cheat. So mm-hmm. sexuality doesn't play a part in it. It really is about the trust that you have and uh, the relationship that you forge between the two of you. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things in your post is, or at least the headline, the headline of the article that went in um, the Daily the, Mail. Yeah, the Daily Mail the UK was newspaper. this gay man. So the question is, do you identify as gay? Did they use that title or label? Do you accept that label? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think lots of those terms, they're very loaded and it's kind of hard to navigate. I generally use the word gay because it's easy for people to understand, um, and it's the most common one, um, because the church often uses same-sex attraction, which for some people isn't immediately like understanding what that means. So I often use gay, but I'm not a huge fan of the term, to be honest, because there's so many stereotypes and things associated with it that I don't associate with myself. I mean, I I don't know. I love musical theater, but like (laughs) I, I don't identify with a lot of the stereotypes and I'm sure lots of other gay people don't either. So I'm not saying that it's all them, but, and I, 
yeah, I don't have a fantastic answer, but I do prefer the same-sex attraction, one from the church, because I think when you label yourself as gay, I mean, to some people that's so important to them, and that's that's their choice, but that's not really the most important part of myself. Um, that is one aspect of me, but it doesn't define me, whereas other people see it a little bit differently. Yes, some people definitely do. Some people see everything through that lens. So it, it depends on who who that's coming from. So thank you. I appreciate that. You also talked about when you guys, when you came, especially when you came out now, I would imagine you've had it, but, but when you were getting married and you told each other, you said that, uh, when you first disclosed this to Jordan, you said that you guys had a lot of support and yet Jordan talks about trying to find people like you. So what kind of support have you found then now? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the support that we felt was mostly from our family, um, the family members who knew. So my parents knew going into it and then my parents obviously knew. Yeah. Nick's parents knew um, some of our church leaders. Yeah. We had church leaders who knew and who we talked to, um, especially as we were preparing to go to the temple Um, Anyone who doesn't know, there's a process where you talk to different church leaders before you get um, a recommend to be able to be sealed in the temple. And we talked to them about things and everything they said in response was loving and supportive and kind of back to what we were talking about a little bit before that marriage is hard, but we're probably going to find that most of the hard things are not going to be related to sexuality. (laughs) They're going to be normal marriage hard. So, yeah, in regards to the, to finding things though, I just, I wanted to find basically someone who had posted on a blog or wrote a book that was 22 years old. I was at the time, (laughs) a girl who, um, was marrying a man who had the same sex attraction. And I just wanted something that was exactly like me. So I could be like, okay, that's exactly my story. So it's all going to be going to be fine and dandy and perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted all the answers. I didn't want to have to wait to see (laughs) how certain things would work out. (laughs) And we did. And once I knew she was looking for stories, I pointed her to a couple, um, that more reflected my feelings because not all stories that I hear, you know, in and outside of the church reflect really my experience. And I referred her to like Ty Mansfield's story, which I really like. And there was another one. There's a couple who was in the Ensign and we read a long transcript of an interview that they had online um, where both of them were gay and got married. And we talked a lot about it and their insights. And so we did find um, support in that way too, that we weren't alone in what we were going through. Great. Great. And since the posts that we've made, there have been so many people in our same situation reaching out and saying, thank you for standing up for the church and for what you believe in. People who have up to 15 kids and 20 or so <laughs> grandkids, and they're happily married over the course of decades. Um, so c- clearly it's not destined to fail, like some of the commenters might say. And I think that's because the stories that are publicized are the ones where they have this fantastic divorce or this big coming apart or the infidelity or then someone becomes anti-church and they're very loud. And that's part of why we decided to speak up because we were just tired of only hearing one side of the story. And I knew, I mean, I had looked for things. I knew there were lots of people 
on the other side. And I know North Star shares a lot of those stories, but we just felt like it was time to add our voice to that. And lots of people who are in a situation, they feel that they're being left out in the discussion, you know, the church's views and everything. Um, Because there are people who are in a situation who love the church and who love its teachings and support it. And so we felt it was time to put our voice among all the other loud voices against it to share how we felt about it. And that was going to be the next question was uh, you decided to go very public, right? You told a few people, you told the important people in your lives, mm-hmm. both each other and then, and then your families. Uh, but uh, making that public declaration on Facebook, that's a big step. <laughs> and in, UK, in your case, it went viral. Why did you decide when, why was it, why now? Why, why make that public declaration now? What precipitated it? We had been, so it was interesting. So the, 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 the turning point was Elder Holland's remarks recently to the BYU faculty. But interesting enough, for a couple of weeks before that, we had been kind of seriously talking about if we should do something. Um, because, and for, for kind of two reasons. One, to share our support for the church because there's so much opposition. But also for people who are in my situation who are trying to figure themselves out to help them know that it's okay to be in that situation and that there is hope and they have someone to talk to. And so we had talked to Kate, like, what are we going to start a page? Are we going to start a blog? Are we going to just post on Facebook? Are we going to write a book? Like what, (laughs) what is it that we should do? And we prayed about it and we started to feel like the Lord did want us to do something, but we didn't know what that was yet. And then when Elder Holland's remarks came out, I listened very intently to them and I sent a link to Jordan. I was like, Hey, you need to read this because we need to talk about this when I get home. And we talked about it a lot and we felt very strongly that this is what the Lord had been preparing us for. And just to pause for a sec to clarify, Nick, you are currently a student at BYU. Yes, I am. So that was part, this was very close to your heart for a number of reasons. Yeah. And because I had lots of friends who were very active on Facebook, um, which is the main social media I use, were just very, very, very opposed to what Elder Holland had said. And, And I mean, lots of even cruel comments about him, which shocked me. Because we do believe he's an apostle, and a prophet, I love him and trust him. Yeah. And so I was just shocked that people were so willing to put him down, and it hurt me. And I was frustrated because I basically only saw opposition on Facebook to him, which stressed me out with the number of member friends I have on Facebook. And when I started to realize that people were afraid to say anything, especially if they if they aren't gay, if they aren't in that kind of relationship, they don't feel like they have a voice. It's so easy to tear them down because you don't know. Right. And I felt, okay, well, we are people who do know. And we feel like we can share a voice in this matter. And we were shocked by how viral it went. But, and it went viral for lots of reasons. But it went viral among members of the church because so many people, I think, wanted to voice their support of Elder Holland and of the church and of our leaders and of the prophet and of BYU and of the doctrines. But they didn't know how. And so I helped and where we helped to give them an opportunity to share their opinions and their views and their beliefs from a perspective of someone who understands the situation. And so we were very happy to receive so much support and to see so many people standing up for the church. And we realized that it wasn't that all the members of the church have lost faith in our leadership, but that it's just the opposition that's so much louder and so much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
And that was something else I was going to ask you about is some people might have thought they were being supportive of a gay man by being critical of Elder Holland or being critical of the church. Do you experience that as support, Nick or Jordan? I think you? I think lots of people have their hearts in the right place. And I do want to make that clear. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know if a musket was the best analogy, but people are really misunderstanding what he was trying to say. You know, and that he was trying to say, we need to stand up for the church and to stand up for our leaders and our doctrine. Like, who are we to sit here and to tell, you know, a prophet of God what he should be doing and what he should be teaching? Um, and I just, that resonated with me. And I didn't feel attacked at all in reading the article and in listening to his words. And I felt his love. And I've always felt his and the other leaders' love in general conference and in their addresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I applaud people who are trying to reach out and to be kind. And if people were hurt by his words, we obviously need to be compassionate. Right. But I don't think that means that we can't also voice our support of our beliefs and that we believe that these men are called of God and communicate with God and teach his doctrine. Thank you. Thank you for that. I just have one last question. We'll see if Tanya has any more. But again, with the the, the caveat that this, this isn't something everybody can or should do, you know, enter into a marriage like yours. But for those who that is something that they're interested in, I'll say that again, for those for whom this is a path they want to pursue, do you have, Jordan and Nick both, what advice do you have, lessons learned for people that want to get the best, you know, give themselves the best chance possible for being successful in a relationship like this. Do you have any advice or, or, or things you do differently, things you do the same for people like that? Um, before I say anything, I do want to add on to your caveat because there are so many people who think that this is me trying to tell people what to do. And I did not, we did not share a story with the intention of it being, you know, ammunition for people to force others to live a certain lifestyle and make certain choices. Everyone needs Nick, to make Nick their own can do this, so why can't you, right? Or yeah, and that's it. not at all yeah. my intention. But for those who are open to this idea and who are trying to explore, um, I mean, it's the same things that were really taught in church that guided me, the same things I taught in my mission and that we learn about Revelation. I just, I follow my patriarchal blessing and I follow the teachings that I have been received, that I had received, you know, through my youth and my adulthood and things were really unclear for me. I want to make that clear. I did not one day wake up and know I was going to get married and be happy and everything was going to be fine. I had lots of doubts about what my future was going to be mm -hmm. and worries. I mean, I was, I mean, I was looking at like my major in school and like, okay, I need to craft a life for myself that will make me happy even if I'm not married, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen, which I mean, straight people struggle with too. I don't want to steal yeah. that away from people, but I just took it one step at a time. You know, and I, I had to decide, okay, am I going to stay in the church or not? And the answer was yes. You know, okay, now that I've decided I'm going to keep the commandments, I'm going to be worthy, what happens now? And, you know, and then I got, okay, I need a date. And so I kept going on dates and I put myself out there and then, you know, things would get tough and I would take a break, then I'd go back into it. And then same with our dating, I shared how we, I had prayed because I thought we, we were doing the wrong thing and it was just lots of step-by-step, step, just trusting in the Lord to tell us the next thing to do and to give us the strength to do it because we didn't know what our sexual relationship was going to be like before we got married. We didn't know how things would be. 
We didn't know what other problems would come up in our marriage or in our future, mm-hmm. but we acted in faith and we were patient and took everything one step at a time and trusted in the Lord. And he has not let us down. Mm-hmm. He's blessed us more than we could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. We're so blessed to be where we are. And I know that for anyone who wants to be obedient and to follow the Lord and is in a, a position where they feel safe in doing that, the Lord can help you and, and will help you and bless you as you go to him in faith and listen and find the path that he set for you. So, Jordan, someone come. Thank you, Nick. That was wonderful. Uh, Jordan, uh, a friend comes to you, a, a girl, and sh- a woman, and she says, Jordan, my boyfriend just told me he's gay, or my husband just told me he's gay. What should I do? What would you say? Well, honestly, I, I mean, just to echo what we've been saying, there really isn't a what should you do. Um, mm-hmm. It's because it's all dependent on your individual relationship, you and your partner, and then the Lord being involved. And so for me, the biggest thing in calming my anxieties uh, before we got married was to just really build my relationship with the Lord and really focus on that aspect of things and to focus on what my relationship with Nick, with the Lord would be. Um, so as Nick stated, we didn't know exactly how things would look in regards to intimacy after we got married. Um, and so I had to kind of make decisions. If, if things don't work out, am I still going to be happy? And am I still going to be okay? And my, true joy and happiness doesn't come from sexual fulfillment. It comes from the spiritual fulfillment that I have in this life and the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and with Nick. Um, those are order. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in that <laughs> order. <laughs> those are the things that bring me joy in this life. And I knew I had come to the conclusion that regardless of how things might look intimately between Nick and I, that I would find the most happiness being with Nick. And he had come to that same conclusion himself that his truest happiness, his most happiness would be in a relationship with me. Uh, The only thing I'd add is that communication is also just really important in that relationship Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people in our situation who have you know, divorced and had problems. But I think a lot of those started out with not communicating Um, and with husbands not telling their wives, you know, anything until years along or um, Mm -hmm. people not being fulfilled or not feeling happy in the situation and not communicating that. And so we've made that a big part of our relationship to be open and to communicate, not just in telling her that I was gay, but if we're ever not happy in a situation or not getting what we need or something that we tell each other so we don't let it build up to be this terrible thing that makes us fall apart, but Mm -hmm. handling things when they happen. And that's the same with any relationship, any sexually intimate relationship without communication, things aren't going to go as well. And so without being too specific, I mean, there are other ways to be fulfilled in an intimate relationship that with Nick and I, in our communication, we're able to help each other 
and to get the fulfillment that we need. And there are lots of straight people in relationships that are terribly unhappy in their sexual relationships for lots of reasons and lots of them dealing with lack of respect and lack of communication. And so I think you just have to go back to what the pillars of a happy marriage really are and build on those first. If uh, I put my marriage and family therapist hat on for a sec here to wind up, which is uh, if you can have the difficult conversations you can you can all work through just about everything, including the, the sexual components, because there's a lot of common ground and ability to find there. Because they, we have, you'll have a low desire partner and a high desire partner, and this, the high desire partner isn't always the men, even in heterosexual marriages. So how does, I mean, you think about it, how common is it that the couple are going to have the exact same level of sexual desire for the duration of the entire marriage, right? That is probably the unusual one by far, because <laughs> people's desire is going to vary according to circumstances. I mean, you guys are pregnant now and TMI, we won't go into all that, but that's going to be changing things. And and so things change throughout life and hormones and a level of desire. All those things could be different. And so every couple just about has to learn how to negotiate that. And what I Regardless noticed, of the sexuality. Yes, not mm-hmm. just about that. And so if people are able to have difficult, painful conversations about vulnerable things, and what's got to be more vulnerable than sexuality, right? Uh, then they're usually able to have those conversations about other things too. So I've actually found that if the couple are able to do that, uh, this can actually be a strength because they've learned through being able to talk about this issue, about sexuality, then they can talk about their sex life too. Whereas some couples that haven't had that practice, they may be heterosexual, but they haven't had the practice of having a difficult conversation. Uh, then, then maybe their sex life isn't as fulfilling just because they're not able, they haven't gotten those skills to say, you know what, I don't like this. I do like this. And I'd like more or less of this, you know, and they can't do that. But where we've already gone there <laughs> and maybe <laughs> things that are even more painful or vulnerable we can have those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, gosh, we are so grateful for you guys talking to us. Is there anything else you want to share? Last parting thoughts with our listeners uh, here at our Voices of Hope podcast. I just, everyone just needs to know how much the Lord loves us and how well he knows each of our individual situations. And whether yours are similar to mine or not similar to mine or only partially similar to mine, the Lord knows you and has a plan for you. And that happiness truly comes through following him because he knows just so much more than we do Mm -hmm. and can bring so much happiness and joy into our lives. And even though it's going to be hard and confusing and hard to see the future, that it's worth it. And I'm so glad and grateful that I have my wonderful wife and for everything that she does and is. And I, there's nothing that could make me want to give that up. Well, I, I'll just add my testimony to yours. Uh, I too, I felt the spirit uh, when you testified to that, Nick. So by the voice of mouth of two or three witnesses, I'll add my witness that the Lord loves everybody that's listening to this, no matter what your situation is married, divorced, single, confused, it's still active in the church, not active in the church, wherever you are, the Lord loves you. He knows your 
situation and he has a route back to his presence for you. I 100% agree with you and add my testimony to that. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, and I hope, uh, I'm sure our, our North Star listeners will appreciate that too. So thank you. Thank you yes, both thank for you. allowing us to come here and talk and be with you guys. It's been wonderful. We're happy to have you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.